Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A fine redemption Thursday to you and yours. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. Director Matthew in the house in studio. Tom at the hizzy at his place, but here to join us as well. Always, and we appreciate it. By the way, you guys driving around town, thanks for listening. You guys watching and listening on the uh, chat there. Perhaps taking it in on YouTube, Warchant TV. We appreciate that as well. And away we go. Good times. Good times. You know, I don't know why. It felt like, now Tom and I did perform last night the uh, JCS Interactive Hour. Thanks to all who showed up, asked questions, and interacted with us. That was a good time. Appreciate you very much so. And, uh, you know, I did the Warchant Report yesterday, and then, of course, the show yesterday. So it was a busy day yesterday, and... I don't know. I went to bed last night after watching the Phillies just pound the Braves in embarrassing fashion uh, and checking in on the other games, uh, making sure the Dodgers were going to go ahead and get swept up out of here, which is another beautiful thing, and then lament the Astros uh, winning. Uh, And then also adding to the stat I've been bringing up at the end of shows, which just for a second will lead with baseball, but... Five teams across baseball won more than 90 games this year. Four of them are out of the playoffs. The fifth is on the brink. It's crazy, that game. Four of those teams never stood a chance, didn't win a game. The fifth, had they not had a miracle, would have been swept also. So it is a bizarre thing when you've heard people say, most notably me, over the years, hey, baseball's baseball, man. People get mad when... Good teams lose to bad teams. I'm like, ah, baseball's baseball. 
It's an unsteady deal, man, and a frustrating one. Then again, there's the case of the Astros who are like, yeah, no, we're not unsteady. We're just good. We're here in the same place every year. Annoyingly so. Anyhow, so I went to bed last night thinking this week was never going to end because I'm eager for this game on Saturday. As much as I'm enjoying all the other stuff, I'm really ready to get to this game. And um, then today woke up. I was like, it's almost here. It's already Redemption Thursday. Let's go. Got excited about it. Pumped again. So there we have it. It is about that time. And soon I will go ahead and introduce to you the selections. Tommy, how you doing, brother? Doing all right over there? Yeah, man, I'm good. I just uh, sent it into the admin. I'll text Ira in a second. Unless you're listening, Ira, uh, the third lang is filed. It's it's in the system. It's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I'll text him though in a second. What did you sco- discover on third and lane? Uh, that Florida State's 2023 offensive identity is going to be pitted against, you know, itself when, when it faces Syracuse. Syracuse likes a lot, likes to force you into a lot of underneath throws. Mm. And we're throwing the ball at 20 plus yards down the field at a 20% clip. So one out of five passes are going way down the field. Syracuse wants you to throw underneath. We want to see, I think a lot of us do in this fan base, more underneath throws. So is this the perfect time for a test such as Syracuse defense? Because the other part is, if you look at last year's scheme and what we did on the road at Syracuse, which was a laugher of a victory on a Saturday night, if you recall, only three passes out of 22 traveled more than 10 yards down the field. Everything was underneath Mm. all night long. So this year's offense, very different than last year's in a lot of ways. We know that. But could you see a little bit of last year come out and emerge on Saturday afternoon? So it's a fun little breakdown. I'm ready to see dominance from our defense on the other side of it. I feel very good about what's going to happen here. I don't think Syracuse has the horses at wide receiver. Obviously, they suffered a devastating injury second game of the year, lost their best player, and uh, that's a a toughie. Would have maybe made a difference. Would have certainly made a difference for them. May, may, may have made a little bit of a difference in this game, but I like like Florida State's defense to have a big day. We keep waiting for that four-quarter day. For both the offense and the defense, I guess for the team as a whole, I think they're going to get it on Saturday at noon. Uh, Let's get it out there just so everybody realizes it. Tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Saturday, I should say, pregame show, little morning pregame show, Hotel Indigo, Tom. I believe we're on the air at 1030? Is that right? 10 a.m. 10 10 a.m. Okay, 10 a.m. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, 10 a.m. and then the kickoff is at noon. So, uh, you know what? If we get this kind of overcast, cool air, I'm all right with it, buddy. I'm all right with it. It'll be early enough in the day that we should be just fine. You know, it, it's it might get up into the 80s. Are you taking the family to this game, or are you what? what so are you my doing? mom's coming into town, taking the, and my dad's coming into town, and, and this is hilarious. I've, I've told people about my circumstances in the past. I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, my mom and my dad are divorced. Uh, they have been remarried uh, to their respective spouses now for uh, 30 years or whatever it is, something more than that, 40 years. Uh, and they, uh, and yet they're the best of friends. So my dad is always here. My mom's coming up this weekend and they're going to go to the game together with their grandkids. So how oh, cool nice. is that? Yeah. It'll be a nice situation. Well, well they might bake in the sun a little bit. I'm not baking the, nothing. I'm going in the press box, buddy. And then maybe up onto the roof is if it's not too bad, there's the way to do it. But 10 a.m. at Indigo, no problem. It's going to be easy, breezy, nice and cool, and I think the perfect temperature for maybe a little mimosa or Bloody Mary action, personally. Good times. Good times. Wagers, I got them. Here we go. Let's get to them. Let's throw them up on the screen, Matthew. I don't see why not. Thanks to Metro Deli. 
good friends of the Jeff Cameron Show. Here we go. I've stuck to what some of you have asked and gone pretty standard here, not getting outside too many weird wagers for everybody. Maybe next week I'll reintroduce a bunch of weird wagers because I do have on my real card um, a few more first half totals and things like that. But uh, I'm going to lay those points right off the bat. I just thought I'd go out with a bang to start things off, and I'll lay the 17.5 for Florida State against Syracuse. I like the Knowles big here. I'm going to take Tennessee minus three against Texas A&M. It's a good spot for Tennessee. That game is at Tennessee. We'll see. Uh, Max Johnson struggling a little bit. Give me, give me Tennessee here. You know, I've been in love with BYU all year long. They've won me a lot of bets, including when I took them to beat Arkansas straight up, and they did that. I'll do it again here. Money line against TCU. I'm not a believer in that TCU program right now. Give me BYU to win the game. Give me Wake Forest to beat Virginia Tech, who I don't think is any good at all. And I like Wake Forest. Money line again. LSU-Auburn, we're going to go over the 61 here. Uh, excuse me, under the 61 here. Uh, you guys have to take the over if you want the bet. I'm going to take the under there in that game. And then I also like uh, Texas Tech to beat K-State. I like Wyoming. Of course I like Wyoming. There's no – oh, that's a siren game to you? I don't know. Now, that's an undefeated Air Force team, and if they win this game, they may finish the season undefeated, I might add, when you look at the rest of their schedule. But Wyoming, that's that's those are my babies right there in Wyoming. They're getting 10 and a half? Come on, boys. Come on, boys. Let's go. 10 and a half. Uh, North Carolina laying the three and a half against Miami. Tough times at Miami. Reeling. And I also took um, the over 57 and a half there. Uh, I, I think that that's a high-scoring game. And then finally, UCLA plus three and a half. I'm a believer in the UCLA defense. They've won me over. I'll take the three and a half against Orange, Oregon State. So not a bunch of weird games this week. It's just kind of straight up. A lot of fun games. A lot of fun games, though, Tom. Yeah, I think that Wyoming Air Force still qualifies as a siren. I know that everybody knows that they're your darlings, and, and you were given Wyoming gear almost 10 years ago now? I still have it. it. I still have it. Yeah. Yeah. But still, Wyoming Air Force qualifies, especially on a week where there's nothing else, like maybe a team total over for Louisiana Tech taking on Tulsa. <laughs> In lieu of that, I think Wyoming Air Force is probably good enough for a siren. The lone siren there. Yeah, I've got uh, – yeah, I'll add to the card tomorrow. Um, but I, I've got some games that I like. The NFL had nothing this week. I really – I'm still looking for a team total or something fun like that, but they really didn't give me much this week that I love. So I'm leaving alone. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. By the way, for those people – I saw it was mentioned in the chat here. Toby brought it up. Tom, great job with D-Rob on the All-22 breakdown of the run game. Uh, I loved it. Amazing how much you can learn when somebody breaks it down like that. You know, Toby, one thing I'll tell you, that, and then that is true – uh, and D-Rob does a really good job, and Tom does a great job too. Uh, but this is why you hear so many people say, and this is certainly why if you ever played and you had to go into the film room, you recognize how much uh, importance uh, lies in the quality of the copy you're looking at. Um, what you get with, with the tight copy, what you get with the all-22s, what you get being able to analyze – with the full view of the safeties is really it, it's it alters the way you view a game and that's why coaches will say so frequently after a game I don't know about that I'll have to go back and look at the tape so because they know that what they're seeing is just a snapshot of what was it is not in totality 
It is not the picture. Now, they'll certainly have greater insight as as to why something worked or did not work even before they look at that film because they know what the play call was and what the responsibilities were of the players uh, that they coach. So a lot of times people in the stands or if you're watching at home, you can think you know why this worked or failed, but you don't always know what the player responsibilities are on that call and what their secondary responsibilities are. And if you weren't watching the All-22s and you didn't see how many men were in the box at the snap, who came down late, who, you know, obviously either occupied space or left space at the last second, it's hard to know then what responsibilities lie where. And when I was watching the piece that Toby's referencing, and you can find it right now on warchant.com, uh, it's, it's a really good breakdown. Um, I was just reminded again of the coach's film and how important it is to see that, to really get a good sense. The other thing is, Tom, I took the same amount of joy as you did, and I chuckled much in the same way that you did, and I could tell you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's at one of our guys' expense. Old number 33 for Clemson told Meach what time it was. It is hilarious to watch. I mean, whoo, that ain't well, a good look, brother. <laughs> it's not, and I had to ask D-Rob about that, and he says, "What? you're in the, in the room, you have to go, what happened, brother? What happened? <laughs> he got brutalized. It, it's part of the game, though. It is. Uh, it is completely part of the game. It's not like, ha-ha, look at him. You, you give as much as you get uh, when you get to this level. And, and Meech has delivered some big ones. I mean, even the clip of uh, the 85-yard run against Virginia Tech is Keandre Jones in space. A poor linebacker gets in his way, and, and he gets destroyed. So yeah. it, it's the nature of the game. But sometimes when you just see a mass of humanity do one of these numbers, they're like wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube man. It's just, uh, it's good comedy. And, and Florida State on that play ended up picking up 12 yards. So it was yeah, all worth it. Yeah. It is also funny. D-Rob did a good job of trying to be delicate about it. But he did note that it's not ideal to find your lead blocker who's pulling be thrown 10 yards into the backfield. Uh, to have number 33 bitch him in that manner is a little tough uh, to take in and not kind of cringe a little bit. Uh, but he's standing straight up. And, again, this is a game of leverage. And, man. That was uh, a reminder, a reminder. Well, what fascinates me about this game from the offensive standpoint, and this is where when you get to do stuff, and, and some stuff hit the cutting room floor, so we probably had another 10 or 12 minutes worth of breakdowns from D-Rob. But when you get to hear somebody who's in it, and he's still coaching on Friday nights, mm-hmm. even though his son is playing for USC and he's flying to all those games on Saturdays, he's still coaching. So he's very much involved in the game. But I am interested to see what Florida State does on the ground in terms of the types of runs they choose against Syracuse. Last year, counter wasn't even what they brought to the table because that 3-3-5 is so wacky, the assignments and the responsibilities can get tough. They didn't break that out until the second quarter. They were running more outside zone, yep. inside zone. Yep. They, they ran some trap too last year, which was strange in the first half. So what do they do this year? Because it's not like counter was working entering this game. It's not that consistent. Do they use this pin and pull deal that they broke out against Virginia Tech? Do they? Because the, the problem is last year, the tone was set against Syracuse by them just kind of road grading that defensive front. Are they going to do that again this year? Can they do that to anybody? That's the challenge for Saturday. I think they can do it again, Tom, and that's why I picked them to do it again. I, I don't. This is a bad matchup for Syracuse. 
and I thought it was a bad matchup last year. I think it's a bad matchup this year. I don't. I, I think they run the wrong scheme to try to stop Florida State here. I think they're going to have a lot of success on the ground again. The one thing I'd say is if you look at the Clemson game and, and watching it closer, Clemson is extending drives by Syracuse's penalties, and that counts for something. Not being well-coached counts for something. But Clemson racked up oh, – sorry, Syracuse racked up 13 tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. 13 well, tackles but, for loss but, on Clemson. Yeah, but that's a boomer bust system, and they bring pressure with their linebackers. They sneak them up. They walk them up late sometimes and blitz the A-gap. You see that, and they've got a couple of linebackers that I really like. I, I suspect they'll still have some playmaking ability here. But, man, I, I don't think it works consistently well enough to alter the scope of the game. Uh, I, I just don't. I mean, you could blow up a drive or two doing that. You can sabotage a drive or two doing that. But the other problem is when I marry it, Tom, when I think about how inept Syracuse offense is and how little they have going for them. The Allen kid's a nice player at running back when he gets into space, but he's not a guy that is a game changer. Their offensive line is a real problem. It's not good. Uh, it's yep. just not a good offensive line. You do not want to play Florida State's front four if your offensive line is substandard. And that's one of the strengths of this team is that front four. Uh, you know, it's not a secret, but it's worth reiterating. Joshua Farmer is a grown-ass man having a grown-ass man season. Farmer has been their best defensive tackle. It's not all that close. He's really good. At some point, are we ever going to mention, you know, Fabian Walker having a good game? Is it ever going to happen again? I keep waiting on it. I'm hoping it does. Uh, I'm rooting for Fabo, by the way, because he's eminently likable. He's a he's a fun guy to watch at practice, and you see it, but it's fleeting. It's not consistent, and that's true of all the other defensive linemen not named Farmer. Now, I, if you want to include defensive ends, I'm separating. I should say interior, but uh, you know the defensive ends. I, I feel like Verse has been very very good this year, and. It was good to see him get a couple of sacks to go, you know, post some numbers. But even devoid of those numbers, he's been very good. Yeah, he has. I think Peyton has had his moments yeah. where Mike Norvell gets pissed off on oh, the sidelines. Oh, he's a boomer you know. bust player. But there's a lot of boom. Like in the LSU game, there was more boom from Peyton than there was Jared Verse. And I think there are other examples too, like the clutch moments against Clemson, where Peyton's in isolation. He's got to make a play a couple of times, and he does. One of it is a quarterback run late. Forces that short field goal that Clemson missed. Let's mm-hmm. see. Uh, but then there was another moment where they roll out on a trick play and, and Peyton stays right where he should. So yeah. Peyton, Peyton has been better this year overall, but the splash plays are, are definitely there. And then I thought Gilbert Edmond had a pretty good game against Virginia Tech too. You know, he's an interesting player. I think they thought they were going to get more out of him. Um, you know, I feel like you had him already, so it was weird that you went out and replaced him with him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a, in a weird way, uh, he may be even a little less consistent. Um, but I, I, I will say that I think, by the way, that um, that effort in that level of play from Gilbert Edmond encouraged me to believe the second half of the season we could see some more consistency from him. Well, and that is consistent with camp, what you saw on Saturday. And I is said Walker, like- I meant love it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Fabian Walker. That's yeah. old school right See, there. See, all those Florida State names are kicking around in the back of my head when I'm criticizing. There you go. Well, they're they're about the same age with COVID eligibility, so that, that part of it is true <laughs> as well. But that's who Gilbert was in camp. You know, he was somebody who there would be a day or two where you go, whoa, if that's going to be who yeah, you are, yeah. then, then we, are, we are three deep at defensive end, not two deep. 
And then there was, you know, four or five days that would go by and you'd say, okay. Is he out here? Does anybody notice if he's out here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of encapsulates a little bit of what we talk about seemingly every day with this team. It's, it's, it's a guy that you think, okay, he's here, he's this close. And then uh, didn't happen, or I thought maybe we could project it to happen this Saturday. Didn't happen. Next thing you know. So, you know, we will see. We will see. But I think Saturday's a good day. I hope they can overcome the sleepy nooner element and not just go through the motions. I think if they're intense and focused, have a good chance to uh, to blow this team out. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me (laughs) Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm -hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk Favorite show, Redemption Thursday edition. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. We appreciate it each and every day that you do. And we've got more and good content coming your way, not just today for Redemption Thursday, but Libations Friday as well as later on. I believe tonight the boys get together from Wake Up War Chan on YouTube as well. That should be fun. Make sure you tune in then. And uh, also, of course, on Friday afternoon, we have an opportunity to get together for a little happy hour as we're wont to do for... The home games, little sit back, have a cold one, talk a little football at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That, too, is a good thing. Thanks, George. Appreciate you. He writes, is it me or is it still crazy how Miami went from Tyler Van Spike, where they wanted to stop the clock but couldn't, to refusing to kneel to keep the clock rolling? 
Yeah, I know. It's it's they have had some butchered endings. There's no doubt about that. It's uh, by the way, the more disconcerting thing if you're a Miami fan beyond recognizing some of the uh, gross negligence of your head coach, uh, coaching malpractice there in, in the midst of all of that is the fact that um, kind of Loki ignored because of the debacle at the end of the game is the fact that uh, Tyler Van Dyke played like ass that entire game. And uh, a couple of those interceptions are the only reason that the game was close, that they had a chance to lose said football game. He had largely avoided that level of poor play that was on display almost all of last year. And what we came to realize about last year's performance was that, A, the offense coordinator they hired, and we said it and first guessed it, it was a bad fit. B, Tyler was injured and really tried to play through an awful lot, probably should have never been out there in the game against us, as we last saw. And, yeah, boo-hoo, right? They rolled him out there. He suffered the consequences. They took an ass beating. It was glorious. Another coaching mistake. But this year he has played well. He's been smart with the football. You saw the guy from two years ago that we projected to be pretty good, right? So to see that performance is kind of crazy. And that is lost in the shuffle of the catastrophic, if you're looking at it from a Miami fan standpoint, uh, catastrophic ending. It got overlooked a little bit there. That was uh, kind of an eyebrow-raising performance from him where you're at home and it's not a good Georgia Tech team, gang. That that ought not be happening. Now, I know they move the ball, but turnovers can help even out things like this. And, boy, what a weird year if you think about it, Tom. We've seen a lot of games like this now, you know, where one team statistically or even just watching the game, you'll say, is really having the better of it, and then either they screw it up on special teams or they turn the football over at a key time in the game, maybe both, something like that. And the next thing you know, you're in this – uh, close football game in the fourth quarter. Florida State's experienced some of that. Luckily, been able to hold on and win games, but that you've seen it all over the country. Yeah, I said um, after the Clemson game that I felt like that was almost like an NFL victory. You know, on the road, I don't care how you get it, just get it. In the NFL, we forget the you know the foibles of a win or a loss a lot quicker than you do in college. Yeah, because you chalk because- it up to the professionals. They're, the, the other side is filled with professionals who are likely the best players on their college teams, even if they're the poor team in the league. Agreed. I think also part of it is what Ira said on Monday, which is the stakes are so high that one loss is basically the end of your season for most of the history of the sport. Most of it's getting to a place now where, where a 12-team playoff, one loss does not end your year. So you're probably quicker to forgive it. But at the same time, this also feels like an NFL season to me in which – Anytime you chalk up a win, it could be not as pretty as you wanted it. Like Virginia Tech last week, was that as pretty as you wanted it to be? No, not even close. But was it decisive? Yeah, it was. And that's got to be good enough in in some cases, especially in a year like this one where decisive wins are really hard to come by. You know, we marvel at Georgia over Kentucky because there aren't many of those. And the next closest thing is what? Us and half against LSU, Texas over Alabama. There aren't a lot of decisive victories when you see two ranked teams going head to head against one another. Maybe Louisville, Notre Dame. I don't know. A lot of years, though, that top five will churn it out, and it oh, doesn't yeah. matter if you're playing number 15 in the country or number 25 in the country. This year, it's just every time that you can be undefeated on to the next week, man, you're going to be in great position to go to the playoff because there are upsets all around us in college football. 
Sneaky good slate for that this weekend, at least in terms of getting some results that help clarify the picture. You know, Florida State, if they get the win on Saturday, and we are assuming some things there. Obviously, if they don't, then they don't deserve to go to the college football playoffs. So that's a a moot point. But if Florida State gets the win, and we suspect they will, you're going to be tuned into a lot of these bigger games to find out who's officially eliminated. There are some teams now that you think are on the cusp of being eliminated, namely the one-loss teams that have already lost a game of significance. They're on the outside looking in, but if this ends up being a landscape that features seven or eight one-loss teams that are in the top ten, then one of those teams is getting into that Final Four. So you're trying to eliminate some of these teams who you've probably in your mind already discounted, but you can't completely dismiss. So... This weekend gives you a little bit of that, especially if you're thinking about, you know, a game like Oregon-Washington moves somebody on the precipice of being out of the conversation. And just winning each week now, as we turn the corner into the second half of the season, get the win this Saturday, get to 6-0, and you got six more of them right at that point. You will have won 12 straight if it's back-to-back convincing wins. The picture becomes clearer for you, while more muddled for some of these other fringe teams, and that will be interesting to see who does what with those games. But, I mean, I feel good right about now. Uh, I'll feel better in the next, uh, I don't know, week or two as this vets as this plays out. There's a part of me that really would like to see Southern Cal put out of their misery here. Go ahead and lose to Notre Dame. We're tired of you already feeling very, very fraudulent. I saw where Lincoln Riley this week somehow turned it around on the media when asking questions about his defense. Sir, you've had back-to-back games in which your defense gave up 41 points. It is a valid question, and given your history of fielding many an offensive juggernaut, nary a dominant defense, you're going to get asked about that side of the football, and that is not because there is a conjured narrative that the media is responsible for. we got to get away from that nonsense. I mean, the, the, the numbers empirically state that you suck on defense. Not everything, I know, we've tried to do this now, can be blamed on the media. Your defense is your defense. You're not getting stops. You're going to get asked about it. That's how it works when you make $10, $11, 12000000 million a year. You're held responsible for the elements of your organization that are substandard. Funny little thing, accountability is demanded, and the more you make, the more it's asked of you. That's how it works. Tired of coaches doing this. I'm tired of politicians doing it. I'm tired of people in general just fall back with this stance of, oh, what's the media's fault? It's not the media's fault. You need the media, by the way. So watching all of these coaches week to week do this, and it's not just him. I've seen a ton of them turn around and say, well, you know, I don't know, guys. I mean, you guys like to start these narratives. Hey, get the hell up out of here. That narrative followed you from Oklahoma. You guys didn't have a defense there. Somebody's going to ask you when you give up 40-plus points to Arizona about your defense. Sorry, I got sidetracked. But it drives me nuts. This is this is every week with these coaches. But that's why it was, you know, in the preseason, you look at some of the Florida State's a contender and some of these other teams. I get that Caleb Williams deserved to, deserves well, to be a He's a stud. He's favorite. a stud. Yeah, but, but that's not the same thing as are they a playoff contender or are right. they a national title contender. Right, it's right. A, his whole career has been until further notice, I don't think they're going to get stops. And we continue. It's gone from one location to the next. Can't be about the situation in Oklahoma or the recruiting in the heartland of the country. Can't be about that because now he's out in the West Coast. They spend more money than anybody at USC. They sure do. Yeah. Uh, I might note that USC is going to be very good for a very long time. They have committed 
financially to being very, very good for a very long time. So that's not going to go anywhere, but they're not going to win anything until they get to a place where, in fact, they bother to get a stop. It is, um, you know, it's it's got to be infinitely frustrating for their fans, I might add. And I would just say this, Greg, I saw your comment that uh, USC is now playing like U- Florida State did in 2014. Uh, 2014 Knowles were not juggernauts, did have games that caused us all nearly to have a heart attack. But I'll go in reverse. They gave up 19 points to the University of Florida, 17 to BC, 26 to Miami, 20 to Virginia, 31 to Louisville, 27 to Notre Dame, 20 to Syracuse, 3 to Wake. There's one game where they look like USC's defense, and that was the famed 56-41 win against NC State. All the others are not anything close to what USC is doing, which is giving up a gazillion all the time. If you watch that really. second half against um, – what were you going to say? I was it? I don't remember that game. 56-41? to I believe that's the final game against – that's the game against NC State, 56-41. to Wow, I don't remember that at all. The one thing I would say is the 14 Knolls were the 14 Knolls because they won something the year before. USC hadn't done that. Well, yeah, and if you remember, that's the OT Clemson game, right? 23-17? That's the the OT Clemson game. So, um, I do remember that game now. Jameis had the high ankle. Remember, he had the high ankle sprain. And then it was Jacoby Brissett was like Neo from the Matrix. He made five or six plays as he was falling down to the ground and chucking it up to a wide-open receiver. That was – I remember that. Yeah, really annoying. Uh, NC State has a history of that, by the way, against us, of just rolling some dudes out there that have never looked good and all of a sudden are making plays that you've never seen them make in the history of their existence. It's very annoying. Uh, So, I will say this weekend, I will be bitterly disappointed if anything like that crops up. If somehow we watch Syracuse going up and down the field this weekend, Tom, we've got another conversation to have, but I don't think they will. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Hey, guys. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick and easy to remember. So I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this too, it is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. 
Jeff Cameron Show, Redemption Thursday. How are you? Thanks for being here. Uh, Florida State could go 6-0. and I dare say if they finish the regular season undefeated, obviously get a shot at either Louisville or North Carolina in all likelihood. If you win, you're in. Florida State would go to the college football playoff with an undefeated season. Guaranteed. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who else joins them in that endeavor. Not going to be easy, though. Not going to be easy. Uh, kind of curious to see what Louisville does uh, this weekend and how well they play. It's a trap game, as Tom pointed out. Man, that is a sucker line. Yeah, Seven and a half. Yeah, they'll win the game, but yeah. Did that, did that make your slate? I don't remember it being there. Nah, I'm just curious about it. I almost jumped on the fighting Narduzzi's. I just hate their quarterback situation. I can't do it. I can't do it. It is a trap game, though. It's well, it's just the offensive line. I, I think Phil is an okay quarterback, but his whole career, he's never had really an offensive line to work with. And I just, man, you're telling me that Louisville, which is capable, I, I know what's going on here. Vegas is saying yes, Tom, yes, but you're telling me that Louisville, which is capable of running away and hiding from Notre Dame, is barely a touchdown favorite, well, just over a touchdown yeah, favorite over Pitt. Yeah. Remember. When we talk about bad spots, good spots, that's a very real thing. In college football, big time, it's a real thing. Less so in the NFL. But in college football, you see it all the time. I thought it was a bad spot uh, for Notre Dame, meaning that uh, they have had a couple of rigorous and tough games to get through and emotional games at that. You think about go back to that Duke game and then look at the Ohio State game and the way that that ended. And, you know, you're not long, you're not far removed, right? And then now you're going on the road at night against a really well-coached Louisville team. And, and Brom is going to do that. He's a very good coach. I've always thought very highly of them. I thought that was the route they needed to go. Prodigal son returns, right? They needed to go get him and bring him in. He'll have his teams prepared. They do not have, uh, in my opinion, the personnel that Florida State has. In fact, it's not close. Uh, but they will always be prepared and be well coached. And so you'll have to play well to beat that team. And I thought that Notre Dame picked a tough time to not play well. Uh, they did not play well. but they And they looked sort of flat. And credit Louisville. They were sky high at night. Big games circled it. They don't have a lot of great games on their schedule. They knew they needed to win that game, obviously. And they played with great energy and great emotion. And uh, got them a big win, a necessary win. But on a neutral site... I'd be happy to play uh, Louisville. I'd be happy to play Louisville. Listen, you, if, if you're going to tell me, okay, Jeff, let's project ahead. Who do you want to play in the ACC championship game? Let's just assume for a second they get there. If they're going to get there, who would you rather play? North Carolina, rematch with, say, Miami or something like that, uh, rematch with Clemson if somehow they were able to get in, or Louisville. Well, I'm going to start with saying I want to play Louisville. I don't want to play Clemson's defense, and I don't want to play Drake May. So those are two things I don't want to play. Don't want to play Clemson's defense and don't want to play Drake May. Watching the Syracuse game from North Carolina, again, I think the defense for Syracuse played all right. Their success rate in getting North Carolina in some second and longs and third and longs is pretty good. But that's where a game, it's a hidden one because it's a blowout, so you don't really watch. But May makes maybe like six or seven throws that you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If if you're going to do that, I mean, sure, everything's covered up. Syracuse does a good job of closing the gap between, you know, the mid-level defenders, linebackers, and safeties, and then that that top end. 
and you've got to be able to flight the ball just over one and just under the other. And May does that three or four times. Where he, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And then a couple other plays where he uses his legs. He's more mobile than you think, Jeff. But he makes a, a couple of plays that, you know, he's turn a very good athlete. Yes. A, a third and six into a first down and everything's bottled up. That's the thing against this defense, too, for Jordan. I'm not trying to change it necessarily. It's all about Syracuse, but you've got to be able to break the pocket and make some plays because their structure is pretty good if you're in third and passing. Jordan did that last year beautifully on Beautiful, the road. Beautifully. Klubnik was feast or famine. He was overwhelmed at times by Syracuse, and then he made some awesome plays, and then Drake May was Drake May. Like There, there are times in big games where I laugh at North Carolina every year, it seems, and Drake May maybe doesn't show up and perform. Dude, that was one of them. That's a performance where you look at those highlights and you say, yeah, you don't want any part of that in Charlotte. No, he's no a problem. really good player. He is a really good player, and I and I continue to say that, uh, yeah, well, look, he's going to be a top-five pick. Uh, he could end up being the number one pick. I don't think he will, but he could be. I mean, he's that good a player. You don't want a guy capable of making those throws. Um, it could be a, a, a long night. You're going to you're gonna have to score a lot of points. Uh, I think yeah. to beat North Carolina, I think that's the way I'd look at that game as we sit here. Now, if the defense continues to ascend, Tom, and play better and better each week, maybe I would reevaluate. As we sit here today, I think you would have to win a high-scoring game uh, to beat North Carolina. And maybe you could. Maybe you could. I mean, certainly I think it would be a good game. It looks like that's the game we're going to have. I mean, I think we both think as we sit here today that North Carolina is going to do a number on Miami. Do you not agree? They should. There's, there's a lot of things that North Carolina should do or should have done over the last few years. And this is interesting because I know that Miami's in shambles this week, but I think this is the last stand. They've got Clemson. It's one or the week. other. Yeah, it's one or the other. This is a rallying, galvanizing moment, or it's not. They, they, yeah. We don't know. Did they tune him out that very moment? Did they, did they quit on that guy as they could in that very moment? I'll tell you, the moment that hurts him more than the asinine decision not to kneel, it's the first 30 seconds of his greeting the media after the game. That's where you could lose the team. Now, listen, the play itself is worthy of perhaps losing the team, but he compounded the problem when he walked in, and it's one quick snide comment towards the end. He couldn't help himself. And it reveals an awful lot, by the way. But when he says, you know, we teach two hands on the ball, man, don't do it. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. You got it wrong. And he knows it. He knows he's wrong, but he couldn't help himself. Kudos to whoever that Miami reporter is who asks him to reiterate the nonsense recalibration that he tried to throw out there when he says, well, you know, we thought we could get the first down and we were going to run and recalibrate gibberish. Word salad gibberish. It was third and 10. It was third and 10. And you thought you were going to get the first down with a run up the middle? Stop it. That's not what you were doing. None of what you just said is true. And basically the reporter says, can you clarify what you mean? You thought you could get the first down and you were going to recalibrate. And he knows he's got. In that very moment, he knows the reporter's not buying it. The reporter's saying what everybody else is thinking in that room. Uh, no, man, that ain't it. Come again? That's basically what the reporter did. And it's at that point that he says the thing about, well, you know, we teach ball security, two hands on the ball. Oh, man. And then he says, it was it was a mistake. We should have we taken any. 
Should have taken a knee. Then he says it because he knows. He can hear himself. It's not making any sense. Uh, this is another reason why having the noon kick to, uh, on Saturday. See, it feels like a libation. It's Friday today. I don't know why. But having the noon kick being all set to watch that first quarter. That first quarter is critical to the end of Miami season. Where the program goes under Mario, you know, you can get avalanche and be trying because North Carolina is up for a game and they're at home. Like that's a thing that can happen, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that if North Carolina is up by seven or ten in the first quarter, it's because North Carolina is doing something special. It could be that Miami just packs it in and you go, oh, they didn't make the road trip. Oh no, because now they got Clemson coming to town next week. <laughs> So you're gonna get you're gonna blow the game to Georgia Tech. North Carolina is going to trample you, and then there's gonna be nobody in the stands for you and Clemson fans coming down to Miami in your man, that's how it avalanches. I'm hoping for it, but I'm very interested to see that first quarter, first 20 minutes or so. You and me both. Um, it could work the other way. If you're any good, uh, if you can somehow convince these kids and the only way to do it would be to swallow your pride and walk in there and apologize and mean it you got to look inward man but you walk in there and you tell them you've never been more sorry about a coaching decision in all your life and that is on you you'll never let them down like that again i trust you i believe in you i love you i apologize i lost my mind for a second it'll never happen again now let's go out there and show them what we're about. Some type of speech like that, maybe a little bit more animated, obviously. Uh, and maybe they galvanize. Maybe they come around and say, okay, you know, I, I believe him. I believe him. If you don't believe it, you better be a damn good actor. Because you've got to find a way to convey that to those kids. Because uh, I don't know that I would believe him at this point. I mean, his true color showed when he accidentally mentioned in the first 30 seconds that they teach two hands on the ball. That revealed who he was. Maybe chop some onions in your office before you walk out to the locker room so you can get the tears flowing. Guys, <laughs> I've been waiting all week to tell you. I've been waiting all week to tell you. But tonight? Yeah, and I think it would have been something you needed yeah. to say beforehand and reiterate before the Saturday game. Uh but we'll see. They could come out and play really hard. They could come out and play really smart. They could come out and play really well, and they could end up winning that game, and all of a sudden they've salvaged something, and maybe that moment is looked upon years later as a coming together uh, and, and emblematic uh, spark and all those things. But I, you know, just something tells me I doubt it. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's their recent history. Most of the time it's sort of a, ah, here we go, falling off the cliff. Is this the thing you're looking most forward to this weekend? Is that particular game, or is there, or is there something else beyond North Carolina and the troubles at Miami that is piquing your interest on the schedule? Lots of games that pique my interest on the schedule. Oddly, I think Florida and South Carolina is very interesting to talk about levels of interest as the season goes on as well. I mean, I, I that's a game that, quite frankly, if you've watched South Carolina play, that's not a real good football team. And I'm not telling you Florida's a real good football team, but I think they're equipped to win that game. I'm not saying they will win that game. That is Florida at South Carolina, 3.30. Now, no matter what South Carolina is as a football team in terms of record, they are also always passionately followed. 
Those fans show up for every South Carolina game, and they are rowdy, and they care, and they do turn that into an environment that you have to be able to block out, play with unbelievable composure despite noise levels and passions that, you know, are usually reserved for the better teams in college football. South Carolina is rarely one of those. But their fans are great. They have great fans. So let's see. Florida hasn't played well on the road. They've lost their composure. They've looked bad in these moments. And now it's become a bit of a trend. And Napier addressed it this week, talking about, well, we're going to change some things about our clock and what we do and how we get there and how early we get there and all these desperate-sounding things. Pretty funny so, to listen to the guy. Of the uh, of those fan bases that deserve better and show That's out, one but them. don't get South Carolina, Nebraska, well, Virginia. The, yeah, at least Nebraska had a bunch of national championships over time. Not in the last 20 years, but they did, yeah. South well, Carolina's got nothing, Tom, nothing ever. We're going on 30, though. I mean, you know, yeah. many of those people in the stands, don't. it might as well be a plaque on a wall. It's, yeah. it's faceless. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It means nothing. Virginia Tech is another one. Uh, those, yeah. those fans, did you see the pit game? The pit game was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it is. Uh, I give them credit, and that's a cool entry. But uh, mm, they're pre the little Vic run, they were nothing ever, and pretty much post, they're nothing now again. That's much more of kind of where and what they are. I think, uh, unfortunately for them, I know they're in denial about that, but that's a tough. You're right; they are passionate, though, Tom. They are very passionate. They get pumped to go out there and lose to Old Dominion. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with. Mm-hmm. 